You're listening to the Cornerstone Chapel High School Youth Ministry. Let's head into the service for this week's message. Let's turn our Bibles. Let's start today's study. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, first book of the New Testament. We are in the Gospel of Matthew. And again, we are in the Gospel series. We're going to be in the Gospel for a while now. And we kind of flip and go back and forth. Last time we were in Luke. Today we're in Matthew. We've been in Mark a few times. But uh, last week we finished with the life and legacy of John the Baptist. We spent three weeks on John's life, his birth, ministry, his death, when he was beheaded in prison for, his, for standing up for truth. And uh, we see the legacy that he leaves, and we need to, that's a challenge for us, because we need to take his example, stand up for truth and righteousness, even when persecution may come our way. The Bible says that we will be persecuted, not if, it's a, it's a matter of when. And that doesn't mean to scare us, but that's a, that's a caution, it is encouragement. When it comes our way, are we going to stand for the Lord, or are we going to be ashamed of it and back down? And the Lord's going to bless us, those who stand up for his truth, stand up for righteousness. And that was John's example, his life, his ministry. He was that forerunner, that one who taught and spoke of the one coming, the one that uh, would be the savior of the world, and that is Jesus. And Jesus and John were about six months apart in age. So we talked on John's life. I, I, I kind of wanted to just get touched. Uh, just get touched. I just want to talk. I can't talk today. I wanted to touch base on John's life from his birth, ministry, and death. And now we're going to talk about the most important person in this Bible, the Word of God, His name is Jesus Christ. And we're going to be starting today with Jesus' birth. The Savior is born. And this is going to be an awesome time. That's, this is the main person that we're going to talk about for the remaining weeks, for months. His birth, then His life and ministry, His death, His resurrection, and then also the commission that He tells us. Go and make disciples. It's a great story, one of the greatest stories ever told. This is the gospel. This is the gospel about Jesus Christ, the good news that we've talked about. In the Greek, the gospel word means good news. And so John, as that forerunner, brings the good news and says, be baptized, repent of your sins, because the one coming is the Savior of the world, and he is going to judge the earth. You need to get your life right with God. Repent, turn to him, make that 180, and run to God. And we see now Jesus, we're going to go kind of backwards now, Jesus now born as a human being, coming to our world, dying a human death, breathing our air, living in this physical world. It's amazing to think that God actually stepped down into our world. He stepped down to our world, lived an age about 33 years old, and is now seated in, in heaven on the right, side, right hand of Father, and he's going to come back a second time. And it's great stuff. But this is the message. This is the the Old Testament prophesying about this one person, Jesus Christ. And now we look forward to Jesus Christ's second coming. And it's amazing that you see the Old Testament looking ahead to Jesus, the New Testament looking backwards to Jesus, what he did, and now we are looking ahead to Jesus' second coming. And it's amazing. So let's, let's read chapter 1 of Matthew's Gospel. And this we're going to start in verse 18. So if you guys follow along, we'll start here, we'll dive in, and we're going to talk about the birth of of our Savior. It's an awesome story. Look at verse 18. Matthew writes, This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind 
to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. I want you to underline that verse if you have a pen or pencil. He will save his people from their sins. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. This is the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he had what the angel of the Lord had command- he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Let's pause and pray, and we're going to dive in. Father, we thank you for this wonderful story uh, of your son coming to earth as a baby, being born into our world, living as a human, dying a human death, breathing our air, and then resurrecting back into heaven with you, and he's coming again, and we we praise you for that. I pray that we would learn something new from, from the birth of Jesus. We would take in consideration of what he did, what the humility he had to go through, the way he came, why he came. I pray that we would learn from what your word is telling us. Father, we thank you for your presence in here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, this story may sound familiar to a bunch of you. You guys have all heard this story, mostly on Christmas. It's the famous Christmas story. And again, we're, we're not close to, well, we are actually close to Christmas. It's coming up. But we're a little ahead right now. Christmas story in here. And it's all about the Savior's birth, Jesus Christ's birth. Now, you don't have to read this story only on Christmas just because it's the Christmas story. Just like coffee. You don't have to have coffee in the morning. You can have coffee whenever you want. All right? Amen. You can read this story whenever you want, not just on Christmas. But this always reminds me, when I'm reading Matthew's gospel or Luke's gospel we're going to talk about, also records the the story of Jesus' birth. They give two different accounts, and it's great how they harmonize each other. But when I was growing up, and I still kind of like to watch this, this great show and, and movie. Well, they were made into several movies. Um, the great Charlie Brown. You guys know Charlie Brown? Good grief. All right. Well, Charlie Brown, if you don't like him, I was a nerd and a sucker for Charlie Brown. I loved Charlie Brown growing up. I had all the comic books. I had all the books and the movies of Charlie Brown. I even had a Snoopy stuffed animal. I know. I'm a nerd. I know. And that was just last year. Okay. No, no I'm kidding. But I would watch Charlie Brown, and every Christmas season in December, they would show on ABC7, Charlie Brown's Christmas. And they probably will show it this year. They show it all the time. They show Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, too. So you guys need to study up on Charlie Brown, all right? And it's coming up in December. And the famous scene, the famous uh, line that Linus, the little lad with the blankie and sucking his thumb all the time, Linus, and he looked like he was like having receding hairline and bald. Did you notice that his hair was just strings? He's like, what, 10? He's like already balding. All right. Charlie Brown was just had a swirl. It was just weird. Anyway, I don't know who that, that, Mark Schultz did a great job, but made Linus look really old. Anyway, Linus comes out on the stage. The scene is set, and Charlie Brown is crazy about and confused on what is Christmas all about. Have you ever seen, have you guys seen this movie, Charlie Brown Christmas? All right, thank you. Not alone, not alone. Let me just refresh your memory. And Charlie Brown is just dying to know, what is Christmas all about? And he always puts his face up and his mouth gets as big as his face. Ah! All right, that's just how the artist was. It was weird. But he's screaming. He's like, what is Christmas all about? 
Linus, the, the, the savior of the day, if you will. He comes in, he says, I'll tell you what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Holds his blankie, walks to the stage. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for I behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there were in the great country shepherds abiding the fields and a great glorious host saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Oh, wait, no, uh uh. Okay, hold, hold your applause. Hold your applause. I know. I know, I'm not a nerd. Yeah. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Okay. All right, there you go. That's the great line of scene. Now you can clap. Yeah. All right. I know. I actually wrote that in my notes just in case I forgot, but I didn't even look at my notes. All right? Yes. Okay. So we got Linus saying the scene. Okay, Linus has something right. That is what Christmas is all about. It's not about Santa Claus and presents, although that's fun and joyful, yes, but it is about Jesus' birth. But I'm not going to talk about Christmas today. Linus is correct in what he's saying, but the question I've always had growing up, maybe you have had this question also. All right, Jesus came to this earth as a baby, but the question is, why? Why did Jesus come? As a baby, why did he have to come to this earth? Why did he come at all? Was, wasn't it enough just to give his word? Why did he have to actually come as a human, as a baby, living a life, dying the death he did, and then rising from the dead? Why did he have to do all that? Have you ever wondered that, really? What was the purpose for Jesus really coming the way he did? We're going to talk about that at the end of the study, and I have three key points that I want you guys to write down when we get to the closing part of why Jesus ultimately came. Why he did, because we know what Christmas is all about, and we're not going to talk about Christmas again, but we read the stories over and over. We hear it all the time every season, every Christmas. But something that always stirred in my mind was, why did Jesus come? Yeah, was it to fulfill prophecy like the Old Testament said? Yeah, that's, that is part of it, but there's a bigger meaning of why Jesus came. We need to understand this before we actually know the good news in the gospel. Once we understand why Jesus came, the gospel makes sense. Why Jesus came, why he lived the way he did, why he preached what he preached, why people disliked him, why did he have to go through this? We're going to talk about that later today. But first of all, I want you guys to look at the screen. And in Matthew's gospel, what we just talked about, it's also recorded in Luke's gospel, chapter 1 also through chapter 2. And we're not going to discuss the shepherds. We're not going to discuss the wise men, the magi. You guys know the story. If you're new today, just study it, read it. You, you know the, the Jesus' birth. Even the secular world out there kind of know the story of Jesus' birth. You got the nativity scene with the wise men bowing down with baby Jesus bald. You got Mary and Joseph with the cane and the shepherds bowing down, the angel, the star above it. All right? That's great. 
But here we have the actual story and the chronological story. And I'm just going to kind of piece it through. I kind of just want to briefly discuss the story of Jesus. And then we're going to apply it and see why did Jesus really come? What does that mean to me today? What does that mean? This was 2,000 years ago. I get that. It's still applicable for us today. It still has meaning. It has purpose. And it is one of the greatest stories ever told. There was a real Jesus. There was a real Mary and Joseph that were in Israel at this time, around the, the first of the century, the, early, the late B.C.s and the, and the early 1, 2 A.D., if you will. And Mary and Joseph, you see in Matthew 1 and 2, you see the first, the genealogy of Jesus. In Luke's gospel, you see the genealogy that goes to Mary, and then in Matthew, you see the genealogy that goes through Joseph. And the gospels are trying to say, the gospel writers are trying to say, look, this is Jesus from Abraham to David to now Joseph and then Jesus. Now, Joseph was not his biological father because Jesus was born through the Holy Spirit unto Mary. So Joseph is basically his foster father, his stepfather. But Joseph took care. Joseph was a righteous man, the Bible says. And Joseph was pledged to be married to Mary. But now he finds out that she's pregnant. And she's around 15, 16 years old in this time. And Joseph goes out. They're engaged, if you will. Because it says they were pledged to be married to each other. So that's kind of our engagement, betrothal in this time. He goes to build a house for her. He comes back. He finds out she's pregnant. There's only one thing to think. She was messing around. She got pregnant. And Joseph, it says, is a righteous man and wants to dis- does not want to put her in public disgrace, but wants to just divorce her quietly. What's he mean by public disgrace? Well, in the Mosaic law, in the Levitical law, thank God we don't have to go through this anymore. We're under grace. But in those days, if you were caught having premarital sex or adultery, it was the right for the elders of the town to stone you. You would be killed for that. So Joseph knew this. And Joseph knew if I bring this accusation up, if I bring this that she's pregnant, people are going to stone her. She's going to be She's going to be killed. He didn't want to do that. He just said, I want to divorce her quietly. And we just read in the story that an angel of the Lord, most likely Gabriel, because Gabriel was the one who who went to Mary in Luke's gospel, but the angel of the Lord comes to Joseph in a dream. And this is a dream that we just read. And the angel says, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because she is conceived through the Holy Spirit. This is the birth of Jesus Christ. Because he would be fully God and he'd be fully man. But it was prophetic that the Holy Spirit, God's seed, would be imparted unto Mary and she would give birth to a son named Jesus. And Joseph is hearing in this dream the angel saying, don't be afraid, you take her home as your wife. This is from the Lord. And Joseph wakes up from the dream, realizes it was from the Lord, and he goes and takes Mary home as his wife. And they have the son named Jesus. And you guys know the story. They, they can't find room in the inn. They go to Bethlehem because there's a taxation decree that they all need to go to their own town to register. They're from Bethlehem, Mary and Joseph both. So they go to register. It's prophetic. Jesus was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. He would live a life in Nazareth. The wise men would come. You see in, in Luke's, uh, Matthew's gospel, chapter 2, if you want to read it for homework, the wise men come. But actually the wise men, most scholars believe, and if you read the text and it's kind of the context of what it's saying, the wise men actually came probably two years later. So Jesus would have been about two years old. Wouldn't have been a baby. 
So that's later down the road. But the wise men come. They escape to Egypt because King Herod wants to kill all the baby boys two years and under because he realizes, this, he realizes the prophetic message is coming to be there's a king that's supposed to rise up, take over my throne. I don't want that, so I'm going to kill all the baby boys. The angel tells Joseph, you guys need to flee to Egypt because King Herod wants to kill the boy. They go to Egypt. They stay there. They wait till Herod's death happens. Herod does die. They go back to Israel, and they go live in Nazareth. And during the nativity scene, you have the shepherds coming. You've got the journey to Bethlehem, as we talked about. And you've got the angelic hosts, what Linus' scene was when he was saying, the angels appeared in the sky. There was a glorious host of angels, thousands upon thousands of angels in the Greek text is what it's saying. And they are praising glory to God in the highest, that Jesus, the Savior of the world, is born. It's a great story. And if you put all this in chronological order, it's, it's an awesome story of just the birth of Jesus and the prophetic ways that Jesus fulfilled Scripture. Jesus fulfilled every single prophecy in the Old Testament that was proclaimed about him. That he would be born of a virgin in Isaiah, that he would be born in Bethlehem from Micah, that he would speak in parables from Psalms. It's amazing. When you study the prophetic prophecies of Jesus, he fulfilled every single one. The odds are astronomical. No human could have done that except for Jesus. But again, I, I go back to my previous question. Why, why was he born? Why, why did he have to come the way he did? Why couldn't God just say, look, repent of your sins and you're, there's going to be judgment and then I'm going to build the church up? But he, but he sends his son. He sends his son to die for you and me. Not just to be born as a baby, not just to live, but his mission was to die. That was the whole plan. Paul says Jesus Christ was crucified before the creation of the world. Meaning, God had it planned out already before the creation of the world that his son would die on the cross for you and me. It's not that God thought, you know what, I'm going to try this out, let's see what happens. No, he actually had it planned from the fall of Adam and Eve when they fell in the garden. God then had it planned orchestratedly and prophetic messages that I'm going to have to send my son now because sin has crept into the world, sin has broken the bond and the relationship between a holy God and man. Now I'm going to have to have Jesus come, fully God but also fully man, to die for you and me so that one day we could go back to God and now Jesus is that mediator between man and God. If you want to get to God, you go through Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us. You don't go through anybody else. You don't go through a priest. You don't go through your friends. You don't go through a parent. You go directly to Jesus. And I'm actually okay with that. I don't want to go to a priest. I don't want to go to you guys and talk about my sins and ask, God, and ask you guys for questions and what to do. I want to go directly to Jesus. But I want to talk about really why Jesus came. And the first thing I want to talk about why he was born is, number one, we just read it, it was to save us from sin. I want you guys to write these down. To save us from sin, that's number one. Look in Matthew one twenty one again. We already read it. But it says, the, the angel of the Lord is appearing to Joseph in the dream, and this is what he said to Joseph. Verse 21, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. No other person could do that. And Jesus' name in the Greek means the Lord saves. It's actually the Greek rendition of the name Joshua, Yeshua. In Hebrew, you have Joshua, and then in the Greek, you have Jesus. Same name. 
and it means the Lord saves. And the angel would say, you're going to have a son, and you're going to name him Jesus, because his name is going to actually mean he is going to save their people from their sins. If you guys write down 1 Timothy 1.15, Paul would say this in 1 Timothy 1.15. He says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Paul said that about himself. He said, Christ Jesus, this is a trustworthy saying, he came to this world to save sinners. It wasn't really just to fulfill prophecy, although that's true, that's great. It wasn't just so that he could raise people from the dead and cast out the demons and rebuke people. He came to save sinners, to save the lost, to save you and me. And he's still saving today. That is the whole point of the gospel. That is the good news. That is the good news. That Jesus came to save you and me. Did he have to? No. Did we deserve it? Nope. And we can't earn it. So how, how, do we, how does he save us? Well, Paul says in Ephesians, it's by grace you have been saved. It's by grace. God's grace on you through faith in Jesus Christ. It's a two-part thing. It is God's grace lavished on you and me, but it's also faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You are putting your all into Jesus. That is how you get saved. That is how you become a Christian. That's why Jesus came. He wants to save you and me. And maybe some of you, I don't want to assume everything, I don't want to assume all of you are saved. Maybe some of you aren't saved. I'm glad you're here. I'm not going to force this down your throat. You have to make the choice. If God is tugging on your heart, come to me. I want a relationship with you. I died for you. He knew everything there is about human nature. Hebrews says that he was tempted beyond bear, but he did not sin. He was sinless. He knows our pain. He knows our struggles. He knows what we go through. He went through the exact same thing. So you can't say, Jesus doesn't know what I'm going through. How can he save me? He has no idea what I'm going through. That's one of the reasons he came as, as a baby. To live as a, as a man. To die a, a sinner's death. It's because he wanted to know how you and I feel. He put sin on his shoulders. Your and mine. On the cross. That's the mission. It was to save sinners. To save you and me. So when we're worshiping Jesus and we're proclaiming his name, you are saying he is Savior. The Lord saves. You are declaring that. Now, if you say it in the, in the wrong way, if you say it in his name in vain, well, that's a different story, so don't do that, okay? Rinse your, soap, rinse your mouth out with soap if you say his name in vain. That is taking his name out of context. Jesus' name means the Lord saves. And if you believe that, then declare it. Know it. This is encouraging. This is awesome. Number two, why was Jesus born? It was to show us his love. Not tell of his love, but show. You guys did show and tell in elementary, right? Show and tell. Bring something. Bring your father who's a fireman. Bring a craft you made. Tell a joke. I don't know. All right, Johnny, you're up for show and tell. I made this rubber band ball, and I wanted to show it to you. That's great, Johnny. Have a seat. 
If I was the teacher, I, I, I wouldn't be a good teacher. I'd had, I've had, I would have little patience. Per, uh, teacher Hamrick, I, I made this cardboard box and I made men out of toothpicks and it's the medieval knights and kingdoms. That's great, nerd. Sit down. <laughs> I know, I w- I'm sorry. Show and tell. Even as a kid, I thought show and tell was dumb. All right? I'm sorry if you, if you like show and tell. I, it is great. But I wanted something cool. I wanted something awesome. I didn't want to see toothpick figures. What is that? Isn't this great? My mom helped me make it. My mom helped me make it. <laughs> Sit down. I know. It's, I'm just terrible. I know. What am I talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. To show us his love. Anyway, let's, let's bring it back in. Show and tell. It's good stuff. But honestly, yeah, you guys are going to make toothpick figures now. Mm. On a serious note, though, God could have just told us about his love. He did that in the Old Testament. He said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. He told of his love. He proclaimed it. But when Jesus comes as a baby and lives as a human and dies for our sins, that is showing us that he loves us. And the famous verse, you guys can see it on the screen, John 3, 16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He loved us so much, he didn't want to be apart from us, so he gave his son, his only son, to die for you and me, so that whoever believes in Jesus will not perish, will not live in hell separated from a holy God, but have everlasting life with him in heaven. The reason Jesus came and was born and came to this earth was number one, to save us from sin, but to show us his love. I look back and if you guys play this game, like what what, um, decade or century would you have liked to live back in there? 1800s, 1500s, Victoria age? And my answer all the time is I would have loved to live in the time of Jesus. I would have loved to see Jesus doing ministry healing the sick, walking on the water. It would have been awesome. But I didn't live at that time. You didn't live at that time. And yet, how profound would it have been to live at that time of Jesus and he's speaking his words, the gospel. No wonder people came to him by the hundreds to get saved. But there were also people by the hundreds who disliked him. And that's the choice. God has just given himself. He was born 2,000 years ago for you and me because he loves us. But he gives you and I choice. He doesn't create you and me as robots. You will love me. Let's see what he does. I love you, God. I love you. I love you. That's not love. That's just robotic. It's stupid. True love is actually making the choice and saying, God, I choose to love you because of what you did for me on the cross. You died for me. You came as a baby. You lived the life. You breathed our air. You died for me. God gives us that choice. He has shown us his love. You and I have to accept it or we can walk away from it. But the hope of heaven is at our fingertips when you know the gospel, when you love Jesus because he first loved us. And number three, we'll close with this. 
It was to give us life in him. And interesting, to save us from sin, he saved us to show us his love, showing us and then to give us life in him. He wants to save us, he wants to show you his love, and then he wants to give you life. Give you life. This life on earth is just but a mist. It's, it's temporary. It's going to go quickly. We need to be eternity mindsetted. what Paul says in, the gospel, in, in, in Colossians. You need to have eternity set. Don't start dwelling on what this world gives you. Don't start living for this world. God has given you life and life more abundantly. And he says that in John 10.10. Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come. Notice what he says. I have come. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. God wants to give you life. When you are born again, you are a new creation. You have a new life in Christ. But then that life also goes on to eternity. You have everlasting life in Christ's name. He gives us life. If you choose to reject him, if you choose to walk away, there is sorrow and there is weeping and gnashing of teeth and there is separation from a holy God. There is no life. That is death. God says, I give you eternal life. He wants you and I to, get, he wants you and I to accept this to run to him. This is the gospel. This is the Christmas story, if you will. Why Jesus came. Why he was born. The question is, are you going to accept this? Are you going to believe it? Because you can walk out of here saying, I just don't think I can wrap my mind around this. Look, if you can believe God created the heavens and the earth in six days, I think you can believe this story. You can't just think, and I believe this part of the Bible, but the other parts, I don't really believe. You have to believe the Bible as a whole. Are you going to accept this? He was born for you and me so that he could die for you and me. Before we leave, I just want to give you this, this small, short parable. And um, The guy's name was Paul Harvey. He was like a radio broadcaster, and I don't know many of you know him, but he, he's died. He died since uh, six, seven years ago. But he told this kind of modern parable of this religious skeptic farmer and how he wouldn't go to church, didn't read his Bible. His family would go to church. They would always ask him, come with us. He would never want to go. He was always skeptical about religion, about Jesus, about the Bible. And one day he was by himself while his family was at the church. And he has a barn, and he sees through his window in his house, he sees out the window his barn, And it's cold, it's winter, there's snow on the ground. And he sees these birds trying to get in the barn. They're cold. They want to get into the barn where it's warm. And he sees that they're trying so hard to try to find the nook and cranny and try to get in the barn. So he goes out. He had compassion for the birds. He felt bad for them. And as he goes closer to the barn, the birds scatter. They fly away. And then he opens the door. He leaves it open. He puts some crackers on the floor. He puts some bird seeds so that they could come. But they're not coming back. They flew away. And he's wondering, I just opened the door for them. Why aren't they coming in? So he says, well, maybe if I go back into the glass uh, house um, through the window and I look, maybe they'll come back. And so he goes back into the house. But they would not come back. And some of them would come, actually see that the door is open, but then would be too afraid. As he comes back out to let them in, they go and fly away. 
and he's thinking, what's the deal? Why won't they come in? I've opened the door for them. I've given them food. Why aren't they coming in? Then he says, man, really, if only I was a bird. If only I was a bird and could show them the way, hey, just come in here. Here is safety. Here is warmth. Here is food. Come on in. He says, if only I was a bird, I could show them. Then it came to him. This religious, skeptic, philosophy, didn't want anything to do with Jesus. Then he says, that is why Jesus came. Jesus came and lived a life like you and me. He came as human form. Just like this man was thinking, if only I was a bird, I could show them a way. That is why Jesus came. Not as a bird. <laughs> but he came as you and me. He came as a human to show us the way. And, the, and in the parable it says that the religious farmer bowed on his knees and, and repented. He, God forgave him. He became a Christian. And it's interesting that God will use that in mysterious ways. But that is why God came. Since you and I couldn't get to God, God says, all right, I'm going to come to you. And he came as you and me. He came as a human. So we could die as a human and bring us back to God, to redeem us back. That is why Jesus was born. That is why he was born. Amen? Amen. Let's take this to heart. Let's, let's, let's know the reason of why Jesus came to this earth. It's going to be a great time studying his life, his ministry, the Gospels, but next week we're going to talk about um, calling his disciples and how he began his ministry, and it's going to be great stuff. All right, so let's pray, and uh, we'll get you guys out of here. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We do thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ, coming to this earth as a baby boy, living the life as a human, breathing our air, dying a sinner's death. Father, I pray that we would accept and believe the reason why you sent your son to save us from sin, to show us your love, but also, Lord, to give us life, to show us the way to you. Father, I pray that anyone in here that's struggling maybe with the whole salvation issue, what does it mean to really get saved and mean to walk a life as a Christian? Father, I pray if you're tugging on their heart that they would accept it, that they would surrender they would come to you in humility and that you would save them. They would come to know you in a personal way. We thank you for the promise and the hope of heaven that you have given us life and life to the fullest. God, we thank you for your word and we do thank you for your son, Jesus. I pray that you go before us in this next school week. You would show us your love and that we would show that love to others. Lord, thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. For additional teachings and to learn more about the Cornerstone Chapel Youth Group, visit us online at cornerstonechapel.net.